In this episode of the Church Security Roll Call, we're going to be discussing lessons learned from a church shooting. Stay tuned. Hi, this is Chris with the Sheepdog Church Security Academy, and this is your Church Security Roll Call. Today we're going to be discussing the article, the 2014 Bay Shore Baptist Church Shooting. If you'd like to read that article, go to our website, sheepdogchurchsecurity.net, and look under the News tab. So let's begin in the Bible as we always do. Um, This one is Proverbs 6, verse 34, and it reads like this. For jealousy is the rage of a man, therefore he will not spare in the day of vengeance. I'm also going to give you a second verse, and this one is Proverbs 20, verse 1, and it reads like this. Wine is a mocker, strong drink is raging, and whosoever is deceived thereby is not wise. The reason I gave you two verses today, even though I only displayed one, is because both of these were contributing factors to this shooting. It was a domestic situation where jealousy and alcohol abuse were big contributing factors. So before we continue, I just want to remind you we are doing our downloads again. So make sure you drop down into the comments section and get the download for this. And what you can do with that download is use that for further conversation with your team, staff, and other volunteers at your church. So let's get into the details of this shooting. Um, It was a Thursday, December 4th, 2014 in Brandonton, Florida. Um, before 1 p.m., the children's director of the Bayshore Baptist Church was hung, beaten, and shot by her husband of 14 years. Also killed was the neighbor woman who happened to be assisting her on a project. Five of the couple's children were in school, so they did not see any of the shooting. The father planned it that way. Only the four-year-old son was home. After the shooting, the husband drove 10 miles to the church where he went into the office and confronted the pastor, James Tripp Battle III. Um, They went out into the courtyard while the church secretary, who happens to be the pastor's wife, watched. Um, The husband could not be calmed down, the killer could not be calmed down and pulled out a handgun. Firing several shots, he fatally wounded the pastor and his wife as his wife watched. Then he got into a vehicle and drove off. The pastor's wife called 911 and reported the shooting. Other family members called police to tell them two bodies were at the house, his wife and, of course, the neighbor lady. Uh, The shooter's vehicle was found three to four miles away in a Walmart parking lot, but, um, but the man was gone. The killer was gone. On TV and radio, the killer's father pled for his son to turn himself in. On Saturday, the shooter uh, let police know where he was. They arrested him in a laundry mat, a laundry house, of a mobile home park um, two blocks from the church. He told an officer that he was the one who shot the three persons that Thursday. Uh, One of the interesting facts of the case is that the father of the pastor who was killed, the pastor's wife who was killed, and even the shooter's father were all Baptist preachers. Um, The pastor, who had grown up in Branton, um, had been at Bayshore Baptist for only about a year and a half 
under his leadership, the congregation grew from about 32 to 100. So this is the pastor that was killed. And it was still growing. According to um, her profile, the wife's profile, um, the shooter's wife accepted Christ when she was 19 and was the lead of this children's ministry. Uh, the shooter, or I'm sorry, the, the shooter's wife that was killed was saved at 19 and the children's ministry. Um, the shooter uh, differed from others in a significant way. He was an alcoholic and a drug user. Um, the substance abuse, along with uh, a paranoia, uh, led to marital problems, resulting in at least one separation. He had at least five DUI arrests with some stays in the county jail, making it hard for him to hold a job for very long. To help uh, the family, the pastor's father, so the father of the pastor who was killed, James Jr., um, hired the killer to install flooring in his house. And uh, he reported that his speech was often incoherent. And he also said that the man was jealous, thinking any man who walked by his wife was a threat. So there's the jealousy and the alcoholism. Uh, the pastor tried to help the couple, the pastor was killed, tried to help the couple with their relationship. As a result, the man thought the pastor was romantically interested in his wife. Psychologists who examined him after his arrest concluded that his paranoia was induced by drugs and alcohol. Um, afterwards, August 2015, about a year later, uh, eight months after the shooting, there you go, a new pastor came to Bayshore. He is still there. The church has grown. The name of the church was changed from Bayshore Baptist Church to Bayshore Community Church. And uh, we're not aware of any security measures they're now taking. In May of 2017, um, the shooter was tried for first-degree murder of the pastor and the neighbor and second-degree murder of his wife. Um, the long delay was partly due to psychological evaluations he was found guilty and sentenced to life in prison without parole. He is still an inmate of the Florida Correction System. Okay, a couple lessons learned here. The first one is this, and this is just more of my own gut reaction and just the way I approach personal safety and security, is I can't imagine what it would be like to be caught off guard by a killer and really be at their whims on how uh, of what happens right so in the case of the pastor and the wife obviously they were not prepared to fight off a potential deadly attack um, i'm guessing i mean just based on how it all played out that neither one of them was armed and prepared for that and a, and as a result they were subject to a crazy man to a killer who undoubtedly was probably drunk at the time. I think, in fact, it did say that. He certainly um, had some other things going on, which I'm going to cover on, uh, on the second lessons learned. But can you just imagine being having to submit or being under the power or control over a, a, a potential killer and having nothing to do but, in, in the case of this pastor, die? And so uh, here's... A good, here's another good argument, I think, for at least being surrounded by people that are qualified, legally carrying firearms and qualified to use them 
in a defensive manner. A good argument for that. The other takeaway I want to give you, the other lessons learned here, is I really want to focus on how do we identify somebody that is potentially violent. So this is somebody right now standing in front of us or in our lobby or in our sanctuary or out in the driveway or in the parking lot, whatever. They're out there and they're displaying these type of characteristics, these signs, these physical behaviors. And now this list doesn't, just because somebody is acting in these ways that I'm going to be talking to you about, doesn't mean that they're going to become violent. It just means that what we, when we see these things, we want to be at a high level of alertness. So let's get into this. First one is agitation. So a person who is agitated, restless, or tense, right? These are a sign that you can just imagine the behavior here. You know, restlessness, they're tense. They're really, you know, worked up. Intense anger, another thing that this man was... Uh, this killer was showing. A person who exhibits intense anger, especially if it seems disproportionate to the situation. So this is the person that freaks out over the tiniest thing and their anger is just elevated. So there's a lot more going on than the fact that they lost their keys. It's, it's something else. There's so many other things that are stacked upon this. Now in this case, he believed the pastor was romantically involved with his wife. And so that's a reason for intense anger, but still, is it within, you know, you can just imagine, what's the realm of this, right? I mean, I'd be super upset, but would I be yelling and screaming and just completely out of control? Um, physical intimidation, a person who uses physical gestures or postures to intimidate others, such as standing very close or making aggressive movements. This is another sign. Because they're, they're ready to fight. And so closing in on that personal space, getting in your face or getting into somebody's faces, face and, and trying, they're, they're trying to use their size, their anger, their demeanor and all that kind of stuff to get this person to submit to them. Uh, other non-visual, um, non-verbal cues, the person exhibits non-verbal cues that suggest hostility, aggression, such as clenching, clenching their fists, clenching their jaw. Um, in the South, they talk about bowing up, you know, that's sticking your chest out. And uh, that's somebody that's getting ready to fight. They're trying to look bigger. It's kind of like what cats do, right? They go sideways and lift up. <laughs> it's the same thing. They're bowing out. They're trying to look big. Um, substance abuse. A person with a history of violent behavior may, uh, I'm sorry, wrong one. A uh, person who under the influence of drugs or alcohol, particularly if they're prone to anger and aggression. So you're dealing with somebody, maybe you can smell alcohol on them, or maybe it's slurred speech, or it's other signs that they're under the influence of drugs or alcohol. This is somebody, they're, they're part of their thinking brain, their cognitive Cognitive ability are decreased with alcohol and drugs, meaning that they're not thinking about the consequences of their behavior at that moment. And so very dangerous. The last one is a history of violence. A person with a history of violence behavior is more likely to become violent in the future. So if you know personally that this person has a history of violence, 
and they're behaving in all these different ways, physical physical intimidation and yelling and screaming and waving their arms around or they got a clenched jaw or fist or maybe they're bowing up a little bit. Um, you know, all these kind of things, plus you smell that alcohol on them or that, or they got drugs on board, you could tell, then this is a highly dangerous situation and we need to be at an increased level, uh, 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 increased level of awareness. We're, in a sense, we're almost at the color code. If you like Cooper's color code, we're at red. We're face. I mean, this, this could pop off in any second. And we need to take action or at least prepare for what they might do. Um, okay, so that's essentially it. That's kind of your takeaway for today. We need to be prepared. Our teams need to be prepared. Our staff needs to be prepared. They need to be taught these kind of things. You know, I, I think about this pastor and his wife. Probably very loving, good people with a heart for others. You know, counseling with people going through struggles and problems and they're there and they're, they're wired a very special way, which is very, very important. It's, a, it's a, a calling and it's a gift to be in this kind of position. The bad part is, is because they're wired that way, they have very little understanding or acceptance of of these kind of situations. And that's where the sheepdog comes in, right? We have to protect that shepherd to some extent. We have to keep them out of trouble. Now, I'm not saying that you give your pastor a gun if the pastor doesn't want a gun. In fact, if somebody says they don't want to carry a gun, they should not carry a gun because they don't have the right mentality. And that's okay. But what about other things? You know, being absent some details here, you know, could they have taken refuge in the church? Was it in a lockdown position where um, they could have, you know, retreated in there and been able to lock those doors and keep themselves safe or go into an office or another room and shut the door and be in a lockdown position? You know, is there lesser levels of force that could have been used? You know, could 911 have been called sooner so the police would get there before the shooting started? We don't know. We don't know the time frame from the time he showed up, acting in all of these behaviors, all these different ways. I mean, it would have been nice, and you know, hindsight's twenty twenty. But what if the wife would have excused herself and called police at that time? You know, would the police have arrived before that? Could the pastor use verbal de-escalation techniques, which I'm sure he was giving it his all, but if he was trained in that, could if he stalled it for a little bit longer? Could he have lasted a little longer until the police arrive? I mean, we could have, would have, could have, should have, and what ifs this scenario to death. But, um, you know, that's what we're here for. And that's what sheepdogs are for. And that's why we have to give this education to our pastors and help them to increase their level of survivability when something like this happens. Um, before I let you go, um, we're coming to the end of the fourth quarter, um, but that doesn't mean you still can't join us, that you and your church can't join us, you know, and uh, start the training, get through it. And uh, by the time next year came around, you'd be fully certified and ready to go. Same thing with the rest of your uh, team. This, it's okay to join now. I don't stop working over the summer. 
Um, and so I even take calls and I can help you guys get set up and, and we can discuss the materials and all that kind of good stuff. But So by all means, let's get this training. We got to stop putting it off um, because it situations like this, they happen. Simple as that. They happen. Um, finally, if you like this video, please like, comment, share. Let's the the YouTube uh, algorithm know that's a good video, so it suggests it more often to other people that um, are like us. So by all means, um, share it. Um, other than that, thank you so much for being us with with us this week. And hey, let's be careful out there. This program is made for informational purposes only and should not be taken as legal advice.